to Subtext and Discourse. I'm your host, Michael Dooney. I hope everyone's staying healthy and looking after themselves. It's a strange time we're now living in, but I hope everybody's managing as best they can. In today's episode, I'll be speaking with Berlin-based photographer Alexander Gehring. Alex is both an artist and commercial photographer who's shot for publications such as Die Zeit, Zeit Magazine, Weltkunst, Rolling Stone, Brand Eins, and in fact, he took the portrait of me that's in the podcast logo. Last month, we caught up at his shared coloured darkroom in Prenzlauerberg, where he tells me about the way he differentiates between the personal and professional work, as well as the impact that Instagram has had on the industry. So, without further delay, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Alexander Gerding. So, are you initially from Berlin? No, I'm from Bielefeld, small town uh, next to Hannover, where I also studied photography. And then I moved here 2009 with a couple of students from the school because it was obvious that we will leave Bielefeld at one point and we, we, we go to the big city. Yeah, so we moved there all together. And so it's 10 years ago now. And then the whole time you've been in Berlin, like not to Hamburg or to anywhere else. No, no, I was always here, so it was um, it wasn't the city of my choice, but it was the choice of my friends, mm-hmm. city of my uh, the people who who are very close to me, and they went here, and so it was obvious that I also come with them. Yeah, are they all still in Berlin? Yeah, they're still in Berlin. Still, it's a very close relationship relationship I have, and that's also the thing which I really really liked from the time in Bielefeld that we get so close together that this connection still exists and for me it's um, very important because I, I meet them now in every kind of different position so they are photographers or they are um, they're working in magazine for magazines as picture editors or they work in a gallery and I see them very often and there's still this feeling of very being close together or have this close relationship and uh, that is what I really think is one of the best things I experience in Bielefeld to have this yeah. relationships. Yeah, it reminds me a bit of my experience in Wismar because it's such a small place. Yeah, it is. And you have such an intense experience with a group of people that you kind of carry those friendships for the rest of your life. And I think you realize it really years after it, you realized how how close it was and how close this relationship still is. And now I see some people from the, or I meet some people from the UDK who they are studying all by themselves in a way. And many people, not not everyone, but, but many people tell me that there's a totally different way of connecting to other students. I really think that this small town university is a plus. Yeah, definitely. I think before you go, it's always like, oh, I'm going to go to a little village where there's nothing to do. Yeah, afterwards or during, you realize that's a huge advantage because you can only interact with the people that you're with studying. Yes. Yeah, you often have to make your own fun. I guess it's quite a good bonding experience. Also with the uh, teachers, we're still very close together. So we always have contact and we write each other when we go to see, or when we visit the town and when we uh, say we've got some free time for a drink. And that's also something which I really like and what I think that it's very important to have this contact still. So do you go back regularly then to Bielefeld? My parents live there. So my family lives there so I'm quite often there and when I'm there I'm also meeting my teachers at one point. Yeah. But that's not where you're teaching photography? Um, no, I teach in Kassel 
but um, that was just for three semesters and it wasn't really teaching photography it was at the department for architecture which was uh, very crazy because a friend of mine she's an architect and she's got her office here in berlin which is like very young cool architecture office and she asked me um, if i could join her class in Kassel because she had a pro um, she was professor there for for four semesters and she asked me to join her classes for three semesters or she she asked me because she wanted to have some kind of a introduction into design art and visual storytelling for her students because they're they're very young and uh, some of them don't have a really insight of art history for example i i was there just to tell them something about art in the first weeks and after that we started to find a visual language for their architectural project um, the first semester we did a photo book about their architecture project about their model and their house and then in the second semester we started to make posters for example where they designed for the first time they designed a poster where they included all their visual material and also of course we did some architecture photography as well Yeah, and that was um, a really nice experience because I don't have any clue of architecture. Yeah, so I'm really, really not. But was that the first experience for you teaching or working with students? Uh, not teaching before I already did some small teaching things. So in my university in Bielefeld, I also did for years the introduction into the dark room, for example in the color dark room and um, also last years me and a friend we did a summer academy in Lipken which is an artist based in the Uckermark next to Berlin okay this is a old DDR Hochhaus like a really big building in the nowhere like on the countryside yeah there's nothing around just trees and a lake and this big house and there are some artists moved to and they decided to build it up for a artist house so you can like for doing residencies or? residencies and workshops there and also you can just spend two weeks in total nature and just express your work and just concentrate on what you're doing they started to use this place i think four years ago now and one friend of mine she's a member of, of this group and she asked uh, me if we could um, build up this summer academy so since 2017 we did the first summer academy and um, that was a big success and this is always happening in summertime for two weeks and there we do work workshops with photography, painting, and with graphic design. So that was my, my first experience in teaching photography in a um, institution. Yeah, okay. Kind of institution. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Do you do that every year? Uh, yes, we do that every year. So last year we had to stop it because there was um, they had to rebuild the building because it was so big and they needed one year to rebuild everything. And this year we hope it will happen because <laughs> we, can, we can't really save yeah. what's happening in the summertime. But uh, yes, we will do this this year again. Had you done anything like that as a student or prior to working there and teaching? Had you yourself done any residencies? Mm, not really, to be honest. I don't know why. 
I think the main reason was always it was too expensive. Yeah. And that was also the thing that we thought about how to make this summer school so cheap that everybody can join us. Mm -hmm. uh, still, it's not super cheap, but it's, it's okay for students, I guess. When I was a student, I never really did that. Sometimes I didn't really was so into looking for us. Yeah, was it this. a thing back then? I don't know. Yeah, a thing. Everybody else did it, but not me. To be honest. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it's it's a lot of research, and I'm, sometimes I'm I'm a bit too too lazy. Yeah, because I wonder with things like that, like scholarships and funding, but also residencies and even other art institutions like doing a program. I'd never really come across. It seems each year there is more of them and more of them and more of them, and maybe it was just a small thing. 10, 20 years ago and now it is. I think it's more, you see it more because on Instagram you always get uh, those yes. informations about it and I think these things also existed 10 years ago but you didn't have the list of stuff you yeah. could look for. Mm -hmm. So I, I got like one list of all scholarships, residencies which was sent out via mail from, from a friend and she was yeah. sending to other artists and I realized how many things they are like worldwide over 1000 things you could submit to yeah but you have to have this kind of concentrated list of things and 10 years ago you didn't have the chance there were like not, not so many websites where you could look for all those residencies if it wasn't ever in a magazine or you didn't meet somebody that said have you heard about this then you wouldn't know that it existed because i think when i've discovered some as well and they say we were founded in 1973 i'm like oh i never heard of it before up until now so thinking about the teaching and I guess imparting knowledge then on the students, how was your personal journey then? Like when you graduated and came to Berlin, did you start working immediately as a photographer? It didn't start it out when I moved to Berlin. So I also photographed when I was in Bielefeld. And then when I moved to Berlin, I still had to study. So there was like one year where I had to do my last semester. And so there was not like moving to Berlin, starting to work. It took two years uh, in between. I was working and also still studying. So I, I moved here and did my diploma from here. And then afterward, I just did the things most students do after have their degree they just show their work everywhere yeah try to show it to magazines try to show it to competitions or like photo festivals etc yeah was, how does that work as being a commercial photographer you were going to agencies or you go directly to publishers and places like that I went to magazine editors so I and there were lots in Berlin now more so some years ago there were a lot uh, in Munich but in Munich and in Hamburg. Hamburg is like the main city where all the big magazines are and where all the people work for. And then you, I know, you, you go to Munich and you have some appointments with Mr. X and Mrs. Y. And then you uh, go to, to Hamburg and see some people. And yeah, it was quite um, nice. And I had the chance to work for them. And so yeah, in between, you were sending out your work to photo festivals, most because photo festivals are the best way to get in contact to galleries or institutions or people who are working in the field of photography and doing something. And Is it still as important now prior to the saturation of images on the internet? I mean, I know I personally, it's easier to go to a festival and see work than it is just to kind of wander aimlessly online until you find something interesting. I think it's both. 
on a festival you go there and you see real exhibitions yeah you see something on the wall you see nicely printed images and there's a text and this is some kind of a different exhibit your work so on instagram you've got like this very fast way of looking through images although they are good works on instagram because mm -hmm. real photographers showing their real photographic work but it's kind of different if you really travel to another city and you're going to different exhibitions there and you see images on the wall or also see some photo books there and this is kind of a different thing so i'm really struggling in how presenting my work on instagram yeah uh, because it's not that you have so many pictures that you can constantly post some stuff and also you are so afraid that it's going to see as some kind of a two second image which is swiped away after some minutes uh, after some seconds and you don't really know how to present it and this is really a thing i really have to think about more how how you can have your portfolio on instagram mm -hmm. without giving the people the feeling that it's some kind of some random photos i did yeah no, absolutely i think comparing that even to a festival when you go to like a really well curated festival because all the work is really good and you're seeing it in such a concentrated period you do get saturated with with the imagery mm. and if you just saw one piece of that you would spend more time there and instagram is almost like the extreme of that where you have everything at once and you're spending less than a second looking at work that you might spend an hour in a space really appreciating and then it's gone and then you're looking at the next thing but the good thing <laughs> is that you can show images of the installation on, in the show which shows that it's a real artistic work which hangs on the wall nicely presented mm -hmm. and then you can see also the pictures in it so this is a way of showing that it's not a random instagram photo work i did it's more a real work which is mm -hmm. well produced as an artistic piece yeah so when you started finding your voice and what you would wanted to do with your photography how do you differentiate between this is what i'm doing commercially or doing commissions and this is what I'm doing within my artistic practice without them like do they interact with one another how do you separate them in your mind so that you're not for example if you're shooting all day long and you've done like commissioned work but then you still want to work on your personal projects that you don't feel exhausted from taking photos or that's never been a problem for you um for me it's very easy because i shoot digital for my commissioned work and mm -hmm. analog for my artistic work oh okay so that's like a real clean cut and it's also very different so that's also it's a good thing I can separate it but on the other hand it's also a very bad thing because people think I, I'm Jekyll and Mr. Hyde so I can, <laughs> I've got two different photographic styles mm -hmm. because it's really it's a kind of different look I have and also from the ideas behind it so my commissioned work is much more lighter and yeah. much more um, how to say it comes from a different background and my artistic work it's, it's a bit too dark for magazines it's mostly analog so for me this is the total cut for it so i'm working on my own images in the dark room and for the commission stuff i'm working um, on my computer and yeah in my studio and this is different so it's yeah, for me, I can separate very easily. Yeah, I think so. I guess just from the process and the, the frame of mind that you're in. Mm, also different. I really don't have like different 
approach on how I photograph this or that. Yeah, because I find for me personally, when I use my digital camera, I shoot faster and more. Whereas if I'm shooting analog, it's slower and less. Everything is different. Or where to start? Like the frame of the camera. So I'm using a Hasselblad, which is frame like squared frame, mm -hmm. and it's such different when you got like your digital camera and you got like this. Is it four by three or? But like the normal digital yeah. size, like compared to a um, small format camera in a way. This is also a different way um, how to photograph. For example, if you shoot in a dark environment or something, it's really nice to photograph on film because there's so many things still on the film and you can work them out in a dark room very nicely. Although I can't really work with dark files on a computer. For me, oh, okay. it's like very hard to find some nice images out of this very under um, exposed images. Oh, okay. This is really two different techniques for me. Yeah. And have you always shot analog for your personal work? Yes. And always printed yourself? Because yes. okay, now we probably point out we're sitting in your shared dark room in Prenzlauerberg, which is a color dark room. How does that differ from a black and white dark room? Is it just the chemistry? It is also a different process. And to be honest, I don't know the difference so much because I didn't use black and white. Oh, really? No, no. I just did it in the beginning of my uh, studies just because you had to do it, but I never really did it. It's a different process because um, oh, how to explain it without being so technical. It's um, <laughs> The basic difference is that you're using a machine in the color dark room. So oh, okay. the chemicals are in one big machine. And oh, so you, you don't have the different bars? No, no. You got like just one thing and you have to put the... Um, um, Negative? No, the belichteter. Developer? The, no, the the light comes down. <laughs> the, <laughs> the projector, no, enlarger. The enlarger, and the the process is that you um, belichten, like expose the film. Expose. Yes. <laughs> God, uh, the exposed paper you put in the machine, and then everything after five minutes, the print comes out and it's ready. Oh right, okay. So you don't have to put your print in the different bars and count the time and yeah, stuff like that. Okay. But on the other hand, the difficult in using uh, color darkroom is that you you have to use the color you have to take control over the color mm -hmm. so it takes some time to get a feeling of how to uh, use all the filters mm -hmm. to have a nice color and also to find yourself a color you like so every photographer who uses the darkroom has got like their own color set which which they like yeah and it takes some time to find your own color style because i think when i first saw mm. some of your prints was at the photo truff in kreuzberg mm. Although I'd seen your images on the internet, mm. seeing the physical prints, they're really saturated and I've not seen similar prints like printed in that way. Mm. And I guess that must be one of the advantages then of printing in the darkroom yourself. Yeah. So uh, you got like all those filters and you can really freak out with them if you want. So you can have the natural light, but you can also create own colors if you want, which is uh, something which I really like. And so the process itself, does that have quite an influence on your how you work creatively with your artistic photography because I think one of your series is to do with the occult or you've got you were shot in caves and then messages from the dark room mm. I think was to do with the occult alchemy of color mm. so you're talking about chemistry and reactions like that's one of your inspirations or that's one of the ways that you work yeah it's always connected with the work in the dark room in a way because all those series tell something about the dark room in a way because I was always fascinated by the work in the dark room I don't know why because when you see or what you're doing in the dark room 
also like the the name darkroom is nice yes <laughs> it's, it's everything is related to this more darker spheres in a way you're working in the total dark so mm -hmm. in, the, in black and white uh, darkroom you've got like this blurred red light oh, true yeah but in the color darkroom it's pitch black so everything's like super dark all the time and that creates an own atmosphere without any monsters or vampires but but still it's it's a kind of a creepy place in a way sometimes in a nice way you know? yeah but i guess you would work alone in the dark room here i work alone but in school we always shared place and because do the machines make sound uh it does make sense now it's switched off but it does make sound yeah because i think it's almost it would be a kind of sensory deprivation when you're in there if you're yeah. in pitch black and no sound or no movement or anything yeah it's it's nice so when we uh, i really like this place to as a um how to say like a like a meditative yeah. space yeah. and in school in the dark room where we shared the dark room with other students it, it was always fun because you always get like uh <laughs> like somebody is is uh taking fun with you or making fun with, with with you in the dark and it was always fun and yeah i think it's a special atmosphere i was always fascinated by all those dark stories and i i really think that in my whole use i was fascinated by that and and here it in a way there's, there's always these kind of small connections i find and i think it's nice to transfer the dark room inside or in, into some kind of a more magical sphere in a way because there's everything there which is related to all these things yeah because the work itself it's not about the dark room like in recent years there's been a lot of self-referential photography mm. like photography about photography where mm. people are either photographing their equipment or the different pieces that make up photographs but these ones they were shot in caves or mm. they're in other like you said they're in other places of darkness mm. which you then emphasize or enhance mm. through the work in the dark room is that your main drive or is that what you look for or is it a certain atmosphere that you're trying to capture like the work in the cave is, is more related to places. It relates to the Plato's cave. Mm -hmm. the cave where like the first images were made in a way, like in a philosoph philosophical way. And this is also related to the dark room because in here it's also kind of a cave. So you're in the dark mm -hmm. as well and you have to enlight it with an enlarger. Yeah. But um, the other work, this messages from the dark room is shot in the dark room. So there's this room to be seen in the work. So it's mm -hmm. all about the dark room. Do you think that will be a reoccurring element within your work? I have to take care not to do everything about the dark room. But <laughs> when I'm here, I'm always see things and I think it's it's still something which is interesting. And also if you see that from this kind of generation of photographers we are, so the people who are witnessing the end of analog photography in a way. So mm -hmm. we were talking about uh, young people who still use analog photography, but it's kind of a fashion thing. It's yeah. cool, like have the 90s style. Well, I'm surprised. I still can't believe when you were telling me that they wanted color prints from the darkroom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing to still shoot on film, but then mm. work digitally, but to scan the print, it still feels really unnecessary. But yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's it, it, true. But I, I really think that they or that, that young photographers got like this nostalgia thing from the 90s. Mm -hmm. And and also the style of shooting, how to shoot in the 90s is still very popular. Mm -hmm. And then it's much more popular to have it on a real print with all this little, how to say, like, 
like dust on it and and this oh really skills, yeah. they show it's a real print it's, <laughs> it, and also uh, oh, maybe it's as well like this sort of desire for authenticity and because it's course. a because it's a physical thing you're like no this is real yeah and also what, what is the best thing to have an own language on an instagram account to have not digital images but to have these analog prints to show it's mm -hmm. something special and i think um What I wanted to say uh, that there's a kind of um, nostalgia for analog yeah, photography. Yeah, yeah and, and I think that it's interesting to tell something about this uh, generation we are in that we are witnessing this mm -hmm. death of photography, like this analog photography in a way, and not the death, but but maybe the change in photography that we are or that like my generation which had analog photography in school and live with the digital photography and they have to they are the the ones who in a way um they decide what's what's what will survive and what not yeah in a way that's what i think it's It's interesting and where I think that somebody needs to find images for this vanishing of analog photography. And there I think the idea on showing something dead, which photography is in a way, mm -hmm. is nice to show that with this ideas of the occult, which I think is interesting because ah, yeah, for work reincarnation all, and yeah, in a way, bringing yeah. the dead back to life. Yes, in a way. So it's very obviously, but it's nice metaphor for it i guess and also to see this old dark rooms as some kind of not graveyards but in a way something morbid morbid yeah yeah anyway i was thinking before when you were talking about presentation and showing the images as well and how you mentioned it's difficult with instagram because you know you're seeing one image after another image i noticed with some of your work on your site that you also do installation as well or you do other things like physically within the space that go beyond just showing prints mm. is that something you're always doing or you've always done mm, i wish to be better in that so <laughs> I, i really like sculptures and i really think it's i, I always love presentations and photography which are not only frame pictures wall but with something in the room or something which is also bringing the images into the room like mm -hmm. three-dimensional and i try to to do that and to be honest I wish to be better in that because I really would like to not only do photography and also yeah bring something into the room in a way. yeah like something more physical or and tangible. for the messages in the dark room series i work with this old meuble like this old um, furniture and furniture antique furniture which looked like our stolen out of the church and i really like this very massive wooden things which relates to this beginning 20th century style mm -hmm. and i thought it was nice but i'm not so super good in doing sculptures so it was just some kind of play I, i i liked for me i think for a photographer it's also mm, i think it's interesting like to work on the frame as some kind of sculpture as well so I, yeah. i'm more interested in that now like oh okay using some kind of uh, thinking about frames which look more like a sculpture which i think it's interesting because it's not like you're doing photography and i'm also doing sculptures it's more yeah. this is photography within sculptural element oh i mean the frame belongs to the yeah. photograph yeah 
Uh, have you started doing that? Not really, but I'm thinking about that, how to use that or different kind of frames you can use and how the frame also relates to the images. And, and But also, like in my last series, like the Alchemy of Color thing, I use colored glass. So the glass in the frames, they were of colored glass. So the whole series was with this very high-pitched colors, but some were also produced by using colored glass so mm -hmm. there was not like a glass glass in it so it was yeah. like red glass or blue glass and I think I remember that was at Pavlov's dog yes yeah I think I remember saying that yeah and it's also something I really think it's interesting to have the sculpture like the, the photograph and the frame used as a sculpture in a way Yeah. Or more sculptures as normal print on the wall. I think it's also nice as well because it adds something more unexpected to what you would see. Mm. And I think like we were saying earlier about the experience of going into a space and looking mm. at the images, because we're so used to seeing images on the screen anyway. If what we're seeing on the wall is the same as on our computers or on our phones, there's less of a need or there's less maybe um, urgency to go and see it as a physical object. I saw you'd shown at a few different uh, festivals because you were in Woods last year. Last year in Woods was really nice. So I really liked the festival. It was it was first time I went there and I think it was super nice curated and the contact to the people who worked there was like brilliant. Yeah. They were so nice and they took so much care of all of the things and they also now we talked about how to show images in mm -hmm. the in the room and and they did this really big concept on how to show the stuff so they built up this dark room in a way so it was a group exhibition of i think it was five photographers and one girl who did sculptures and one film they set up this really nice room in a industrial space and they had those red foil on the windows so the, the whole space was red when the light came up so it was so it looked so nice and I think this festival was was really interesting and I really think that this festival had big not not influence but it was a good way to think about your own work and how to present it and mm -hmm. how to talk about that with other artists and curators and how to work on a presentation in a way yeah but we've heard good things about it I've not I've also not been yet actually you should it's, it's really nice so also the cities It's so nice. And yeah. It was a really fun week there. Oh, cool. Now, I've been to the one in Krakow, and I always okay. talk very positively about that. But everyone's like, oh, no, you have to go to the woods. Mm. Uh, do you guys at all each year? I hope to go there this year when it's happening. If it's happening. Uh, yeah, I hope it happens. I guess so. But um, yeah, so last two years, I, I didn't manage to go there because it was always too late to mm -hmm. to find some space and uh, to live and there was also other things to go to and um but this year I really would like to go because it's also nice to be there yeah definitely are there any others that you typically go to each year or are there others on the calendar that you're always like oh no this year I better make sure that I go I'm not that traveler who goes from one festival to another one so I pick up two maybe or three where I would really like to go to and ask friends if you could go together but it's not that I'm looking for every festival and have like this plan I have to go there and I have to go there I'm not that and I think as well if you make it to Arles then you kind of see everybody there You don't need to go to the, all of them because you'll see the same people Can in a month. Can just yeah. on done. <laughs> see everything, any, everyone. When it comes to new work, as an artist that works with photography, how do you start a new project? Do you have a, a method or is there... I wish, I, wish <laughs> I, I wish I had a method. I don't know. It's really 
big issue for, for me because I know other artists who have got this list. Okay, this is my topic and I need to photograph this and that and that and that and then I make a book and it's like a real long plan they have. But yeah. I don't have that. For me, sometimes it starts with one image I really like. Mm -hmm. I did anywhere, I don't know. And then I see that and I think, okay, this is nice and I would like to go into this direction and in the end this image is not in the series anymore but still mm -hmm. i need this one image or two image which lead the way yeah. um, mostly it's very visual it's more that i think oh this is really nice so i like that and from that i start to do something it's not that i photograph something which is related to the things i want to tell about mm -hmm. or like speak about it's more that i need to find something which i like as a picture Yeah, so it's more about a mood or a, an emotion rather than a, a topic or a concept. To say with my last work, it was more the color. So I really thought, this is a nice color. I really like to photograph something with that color. Mm -hmm. And I need to think about what I can photograph with this color. And, and I try to produce this one. So it's it's really more those things so something i where i think it makes a nice image in the end or it, it will helps to have a nice or good image yeah so i have to have this emotional first image to yeah. start doing something i'm trying to think of the photographer that said it that when they asked him why does he take photographs i want to see what that would look like in a photo mm. it'll come to me later you mentioned books as well have you made any books have you no. thought about producing books no i'm a bit afraid of doing a book why? i don't know why <laughs> because it's it's My work is more for the wall, I guess. The, I love the idea of a photo book. I really love books and I really love to see uh, books and I love the designs and stuff like that. But for my work, it's um, I'm afraid it's not. there are not so many images. And also, as I said, so I'm, my work is analog, it's about the darkroom and then you want to see or want to present those images comes from this place. Uh, of course, so yeah. it's also a thing. So it's a bit removed from the yeah from the experience it's um still a way to present your work and show it but to have this actual print on the wall is also a piece of the work yeah with sorry just thinking now using the darkroom and working in this way are there many things that you were able to do at the beginning that you can't do now as companies have closed or they've downsized is there mm. uh, were there films or chemicals or papers that you once really loved to use and now you can't so besides that, everything gets much more expensive. expensive yeah. Films, paper, chemicals, etc. It's the thing that Kodak stopped producing paper um, in a roll. Like they've got like this roll paper, which is the most cheapest way to buy uh, paper. But they stopped producing the rolls. So for my last work, I really had to look for on eBay to find old rolls to use. Mm -hmm. And Fuji still has got his paper production but i don't know how long so in fact it's as, as we said there's a re revival on analog photography most of the photographers use films so they're still available and they scan their stuff but not so many people print mm -hmm. to be honest it's a really expensive long time thing so it's not that practical anymore yeah and that's also why they stop producing the material for it and i don't know how long but i guess in 10 years it would be very hard to find material for the darkroom.
Do you think somebody might purchase one of the factories? Because I remember years ago when Polaroid closed and then some budding entrepreneur bought Polaroid and then fired up all the equipment and started making the film again. Which was a mess <laughs> for the first three <laughs> yeah, years. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> For the first week, it was really a mess. And I think so. Also, there was another company which closed and now they reopened it. But Because it's an East German or East European film company. I don't know if it's Agfa yeah. or Orvo or a few of those different ones. I don't know if they stopped or started or they just always slowly produced. I don't know. But, but there, I think there are some people who want to produce material for it. But it must be like super expensive in the end. Yeah. Because it's really... It's just some people who still use that so i guess it just become a niche like how we're saying like uh, records and things like that yes so but as we said like black and white is still something classical which will still exist it's a vinyl record <laughs> in photography but color darkroom is the cd yeah or the dvd yeah <laughs> and it's not really existing that long i guess so there's kind of miasma in here so yeah it's, uh, yeah it will be over at one point but it's also okay so it's just a process I've been planning for a long time to go and see the Colour Dark Room, so this interview was a great opportunity to finally visit the space and to learn more about Alex's process. And although we did say that digital reproductions are no substitute for handcrafted prints, you can get an impression of Alex's work on his website and Instagram, which I've linked below. That's all for today's episode. As always, we appreciate any comments and feedback. You can stay up to date by following us on social media and, of course, subscribing to the podcast. I hope you're all staying healthy. Take care of each other. My name's Michael Dooney, and you've been listening to Subtext and Discourse.